You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, as always, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes out to listen today. Super stoked to dive into today's topic. Uh, I actually got an email from a regular listener asking a question about Islam, and then I realized that I really can't answer that question efficiently without answering a different question first. So I'm going to do kind of a two-episode series, uh, episode 82. This episode, I'm going to answer the question, do Christians and Muslims uh, worship the same God? And then in the next episode, I'll actually answer the question that I got from the regular listener. Before we dive in, just a quick reminder to everyone, uh, please make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. I know there's lots of people finding the podcast on social media. Maybe you clicked on a link on Twitter and now you're listening to this in the Twitter app, you know, in the Twitter browser. Uh, right under the audio player, you should see some links that make it easy to subscribe. Or maybe you found me in, in some other way, but you're not subscribed to the podcast. Do me a huge favor, head over to whatever app you're familiar with, whether that's the the Apple Podcast app or iTunes or your laptop, whether it's a, a draw, an Android uh, device app or if it's Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spreaker, whatever podcast app you are familiar with, head over, hit the subscribe button. It guarantees that every episode gets delivered directly to you so you never miss one. Highly encourage you to do that as soon as possible. All right, let's dive into the meat of uh, the episode. The really, really important question, do Muslims and Christians worship the same God? This has been a debate that has uh, been brewing in a variety of different places. In fact, for for several centuries, there have been several uh, segments within Christianity kind of asking this question and people outside of Christianity. uh, In recent times, there's been some contemporary controversies uh, uh, surrounding this topic. So I believe it's a really important question to tackle and to answer, but in order to answer Answer it. Uh, we have to understand some really important, uh, vital elements of of religious history. So I'm going to give you a, a mini history lesson as quick as possible. Uh, we start off back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Um, Adam and Eve leave the garden, and then several generations later, we've got a guy named Noah. The flood, big event, and then we go several generations later to a guy named Abraham. At this point in history. We're somewhere, you know, about 4,000 years ago, somewhere right around 1900 BC. Some theologians put it a little bit earlier, some put it a little later, uh, but in that range. Uh, If you've never read about the life of Abraham, you can read all about uh, Abraham in the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 12 through 25. Uh, detail the life of Abraham. It's just some incredible adventures. God calls him um, out of the nation he's living in, and and tells him, "I'm gonna, I'm basically going to establish a nation of people that that follow me, and that, that nation will be birthed out of uh, from your descendants. You're going to be the patriarch for this nation." He promises them a promised land, the land in which he lived. God says to Abraham, the land in which you live right now, I promise to give to your future descendants um, and I will bless them. And and ultimately, that is the nation, that is the group of people uh, from which God was going to bring the Messiah. 
So obviously, if Abraham is going to uh, be the patriarch and, and the predecessor to a nation, he, well, he's got to first have some kids. And at this point, he doesn't have any kids. Uh, when he, you know, when he, when God first calls him and God first begins to talk to him, him and Sarah, uh, could, his wife, could not have kids for many years. And then, of course, they get up in age. So Sarah is beyond the point biologically where she could have kids. And so Abraham is saying, "Listen, God promised me that, that a nation would come forth, for, you know, from my lineage. I've got to, I've got to figure out how to have a kid." So he kind of takes matters into his own own hands. He gets Sarah's servant, um, a woman Hagar, to uh, to go to bed with him, and so she gets pregnant. She has a son named Ishmael. But then several years later, through a miraculous turn of events, Sarah gets pregnant. She has a son named Isaac. So Abraham now has two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, from two different women. And this is where the divide takes place. They believe that God's people and the Messiah would come through Ishmael, where we as Christians and Jews believe he came through Isaac. Let's cover kind of the lineage of Isaac for a moment, because um, Isaac eventually has a son named has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and his 12 sons, they eventually become the nation of Israel. And, and several centuries later, the Messiah comes forth. That's the Jewish nation. The Jewish people, for the most part, reject Jesus as the Messiah. And then the church begins to expand, mostly through Gentile nations throughout. And most of you know the history. Um, however, most of you probably are not familiar with the fact that uh, what, what happened to Ishmael and his descendants. Uh, the Bible account tells us, that Ishmael uh, moved away um, to a to a land that would be considered modern day Arabia with his mother, um, and there are lots of Muslims uh, and Muslim theologians and Muslim historians that claim uh, that they are the descendants. Many Arab people will say they are descendants of Ishmael. That when Ishmael left Abraham. Uh, in, in the Arabian area, that that's where the descendants came from. Uh, there are many Muslim theologians and historians that also claim that at, at a later point, Abraham traveled to Mecca in the Arabian region with Ishmael and that he worshipped the one true God. He was worshipping there um, at a place called Kaaba, uh, which is a stone in Mecca, the city. There is no evidence, however, that this ever happened. There is no corroborating verifications whatsoever that Abraham ever made this journey. Nonetheless, there are many Muslim theologians and historians that do believe that Abraham made that journey. Over the centuries, we have discovered a variety of inscriptions and some other archaeological evidences that do kind of back up the idea that, that most of the people in the Middle East, in the Arabian region, uh, are descendants of Ishmael, that people that we would call Arabs do, did, did indeed uh, descend from Ishmael. Uh, so nations like Babylon, nations like Assyria, some of the other uh, northern Arabian city-states, there is quite a bit of evidence that those Arab people did indeed descend from Ishmael. There are several inscriptions that were probably written somewhere between you know, 900 and 600 BC. So, you know, uh, again, Isaac and Ab Isaac and Ishmael, they're being born around 1900 BC or so, uh, 1850 BC, about a thousand years later. The descendants of Ishmael are living in that part of the region. They've populated that part of the region. And for several centuries, they are the, the enemies of the Jews in a lot of ways. Uh, today, contemporary Muslims will say that 
that Ishmael was the, the one true son, that he worshipped God, and that when as he grew to become an adult man, that he trained up his children in the ways, and that, that the worship of the one true God you know, went all the way through the centuries, all the way up until uh, Muhammad in 600 AD. But there's absolutely no evidence for, for, the, you know, for that. There, there's no evidence that, they, that people uh, living in that part of the world over the centuries uh, followed the one true God. Uh, in fact, there is overwhelming evidence that the vast majority of all of the nations in that entire region of the world were all polytheistic. They believed in many different gods. They were pagans. Uh, you know, they all the way from you know 1900 BC up to 600 AD. You're talking about a 2500 year period where the vast majority of them worshipped uh, a god Baal, and they worshipped some of the other Babylonian gods. I mean, all different pagan religions, and there really wasn't one large religion. Every region, every city had kind of a different varying pagan religion. They didn't necessarily try to force their religion onto other places. Whenever they would conquer a particular region, they would then bring their religion in and the religion would would you know would usurp and trump whatever religion was in that particular city. So as Babylon expanded, the Babylonian gods expanded, but it wasn't necessarily one major religion. It was all these different variations of different pagan religions all throughout. When you bring this to the attention of you know, Muslim historians and Muslim theologians today, and you say, hey, um, the evidence doesn't show that, they would say, well, there was always a, a, a thread. There were some people following the one true God all the way through. But then, of course, just like with any religion, there's lots of people who didn't follow God, and they followed the fake gods. And, and they point to the fact that the Jewish people did the same, right? From Isaac all the way to Jesus, we consistently see the Jewish people serving different pagan gods and not following God. And so they say, well, it's the same. That, that, that the masses of people didn't follow the one true God, but there was always this remnant, this small group of people, and that, that the one true religion was passed down through the centuries. Um, that's what some will say. Again, there is zero evidence for that whatsoever. So fast forward to 600 AD. Um, in the Arabian world, it's predominantly polytheistic. You do have some influences of Judaism, and certainly Christianity has expanded. So there's definitely some Christian villages and Christian regions throughout uh, you know, the, the area that is now modern-day Saudi Arabia, the modern-day Middle East. Um, but in 600 AD, or excuse me, 610 AD, a guy by the name of Muhammad, who up until this point was a a polytheistic person. He believed in many different gods, uh, but he seems to have taken some of his philosophies from the Jewish religion and a little bit from Christianity and kind of meshed them together. And you see early in his life, he begins to preach uh, these messages that don't seem all that radical. In 610 AD, at the age of 40, he claims to have a revelation where the one true God, Allah, appears to him and basically tells him that throughout the centuries, I've given lots of prophets, but the people have misinterpreted them or corrupted them. You know, the Muhammad claimed um, that, hey, you know, Muhammad claimed that God had spoken to him and that uh, that, that God had said all of these prophets of the Jewish religion, all of these prophets from many different religions were from me, but these prophets were misinterpreted, misunderstood, or that after they had written down their prophecies and their, their teachings, that people came after them and corrupted them. Muhammad uh, specifically mentions Jesus as being one of the prophets that God had sent to the nation of the Jewish people, this great prophet, this great teacher, uh, this man Jesus, and they killed him. But then, and then after the fact, the followers of Jesus 
claimed that he was God, claimed that he resurrected from the dead, that they had kind of kind of invented this new religion, Christianity, um, and they had corrupted the teachings of Jesus, but that wasn't, the, you know, Muhammad claimed that that wasn't what Jesus originally intended to do. So Muhammad says, claims that he's getting these revelations from God uh, over the course of his life, and he begins to preach and tell people to follow the things that he is teaching them to do. And he acknowledges Abraham being a follower of the one true God. He, he is claiming that he is now following the same God that Abraham followed, but that, that through the centuries, the teachings of the Jews and the Christians had corrupted the vision of the one, the, the truth of the one true God, that there was some truth in those religions, but that it was a not a pure form, that he was bringing the religion of Islam a pure form. Now, early in, earlier in his ministry, he is not radical or not nearly as radical. Um, and he was sort of accepted and, and embraced in a lot of ways, and his teachings begin to spread in a dramatic way. Then he finds later in his ministry, later in his preaching career, so to speak, he begins to discover that people are willing to follow him and that he can say more more radical, more brazen things and kind of get away with it. And he begins to say more radical things. And the, the religion of Islam begins to grow both in numbers and it spreads more, it spreads very rapidly and it becomes much more militant and much more radical toward the end of Muhammad's life. Another interesting observation to note is that the, the Muslim religion has a lot of symbols in it that, that resemble things that came from ancient Babylon. A lot of the polytheistic false religion, a lot of the pagan symbolisms that were rampant in, in the Arabic part of the world uh, before Muhammad, a lot of them kind of make it into the Muslim religion. There were a lot of there was a lot of worship of the moon god and lots of gods related to the moon. And a lot of that symbolism and a lot of those elements are, are a part of uh, Islam. So what it feels to me like is that Muhammad took the polytheistic religion of his region and kind of just repackaged it and rebranded it and said, well, now we're monotheistic. We don't worship thousands of gods. We only worship one god. His name is Allah. But it really isn't the same religion of Abraham. It really is simply a repackaged version of the the moon god worship and the paganism that was rampant in that part of the world at that time. After Muhammad's death, a book called the Quran is compiled. These are a compilation of the teachings of Muhammad as he as he gave them the people, as well as the writings of some of his his followers and, and comrades in in Muslim ministry. They compile this book called the Quran, and of course that has uh, been the the holy text that is that is meant. That supposedly was given to Muhammad uh, through revelations, and it's supposed to help us understand the Bible and, and the Torah clearer. He's saying, you know, the Jews and the Christians uh, had some truth, but it was perverted, and the Quran would help bring clarity uh, to that if we if we read. So if we read the Quran, so the Quran is obviously the major uh, holy book of the Muslim people. Side note: Muhammad died. And he stayed dead. He never resurrected. No one ever claimed he did. There's no evidence he did. Just throwing it out there. He died and stayed dead. That is not what happened with Jesus. Anyway, so in the centuries preceding the, uh, or excuse me, following the, the the death of Muhammad, Islam grows very rapidly. And it, it literally over the next several centuries, it becomes one of the most fasting, fastest growing religions uh, in the entire world. And it, and it dominates the Middle East today. It dominates uh, chunks of Asia and, and port, northern Africa, chunks of northern India, lots of parts of Southeast Asia, huge chunks of the world today, uh, you know, 1400 years after Muhammad are dominated by Islam. So here's the bottom line. Now that you understand the history, you know, Muhammad claimed uh, that he was uh, following the one true God of Abraham, and that everyone below him had 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 you know had 
uh, had corrupted it or all the pro- or many of the people following the prophets had corrupted the truth. When you understand that and you understand the Christian narrative that we believe that Jesus came through the Jewish people, died, rose from the dead, that he is God incarnate, not just a prophet. We are worshiping Jesus. Muhammad is saying he was just a prophet and that the Christian religion it, you know, it made up those things about Jesus after the fact. Does that sound like the same religion? Does that sound like we are honoring the same God? Now, I would say that Muhammad is not honoring the God of Abraham. I'm saying that Muhammad made up his whole new religion with a new God and simply tried to take the God of Abraham and commandeer it for himself. As you read through the pages of Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you see a God who is Trinitarian. He, it's three persons, you know, one God existing in three persons. God is described as a fatherly figure. God is a God of justice. God is a God of mercy. God is love. God has incredible grace. God is personable. He is close to us. He is knowable. We can have a friendship with him. He invites us to have intimate, quality relationship with him. And he calls us to be merciful to all peoples of all races and all nations. The Muslim God, however, when you read through the pages of Quran, of the Quran and you listen to Muhammad's teaching, that Allah is not a trinity. Allah is never described as a father. He, In fact, he is, is explicitly taught that he has no son. They deny that Jesus was God or that Jesus was God's son. We see in Allah unjust wrath. We see lots of anger and vengeance and even some malice, but we see no justice. We see limited mercy. We see no grace. He's not described as a God of love. He's impersonal. He's distant. He's not knowable. And he, he doesn't tell his people to be merciful. It's the exact opposite. He tells his followers to preach... Uh, the Muslim religion and to kill anyone who refuses to respond. Now, please help me understand how are those two gods the same? When we understand the history of how Muslim, the Muslim religion came to be, and we understand the character and nature of the gods they put forth, I think the answer becomes very clear. Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God. And Muhammad was in no way honoring or following the same God of Abraham. Now, there may be Muslims today that are genuinely and sincerely seeking to honor and worship the the God of Abraham. And in order to know that God, you must read the pages of Scripture, the Bible. That is the only book that points us to the one true God, the God of Abraham. The Quran does not point people to the God of Abraham. So if you're listening to this and you want to honor the God of Abraham, you want to follow the same God that Abraham followed, you do that by reading the pages of Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, written by the apostles and the followers of Jesus Christ. My friends, Muslims and Christians, we do not worship the same God. If you're interested in doing some research or study on Islam, I would highly encourage you to check out uh, one of two books that I could highly recommend. The first one is called What Every Christian Needs to Know About the Quran by James White. The other one is a book called Answering Islam, The Crescent in Light of the Cross. Uh, That is written by Norm Geisler, uh, who's a Christian apologist, and Abdul Salib, who who is a former Muslim himself. I believe those two books will be great resources to you. Again, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I sure hope this has been helpful and insightful. If there's anyone listening to this that is a Muslim and you'd like to dialogue with me about anything I've said here or maybe anything you think I missed, I would love, love to connect with you. Please feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, the best way to reach me direct is heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at theologyfortherestofus.com. If you'd like to reach me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me 
at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. As always, our intro and outro theme music has been Shipping Up the Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm a